Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.co.uk. This is Internet Marketing. Now, before we start today, Site Visibility have recently released their 2020 PPC automation guide. It's completely free to download, and it's going to help you to get started with each of the new automation settings in Google Ads. So this includes smart bidding, responsive ad testing, dynamic search ads, and more. So the best way to accelerate your PPC growth in 2020 is to start planning today. So download your guide for free at bitly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide. I'll say that again. Bitly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash PPC dash automation dash guide now today i'm joined by brian dean founder of backlinko brian how are you i'm good andy how are you i'm very well thanks so much for coming on where are you geographically located today i'm in lisbon right now in portugal fantastic uh let's start off tell us a bit about yourself and backlinko so backlinko is uh, a blog mostly that teaches people actionable marketing strategies. Our target audience is professional marketers. So we really focus on advanced stuff um, that people can implement to get results right away. And it's also an SEO training company and we offer different courses on uh, SEO and YouTube marketing and how to grow a blog and things like that. I'm glad you mentioned YouTube because that is specifically what I want to talk about today. Because I don't think uh, I'll probably be proved. I'll, I'll probably get one of my, one of our listeners um, ringing up and saying, "Oh, you did talk about YouTube on this episode," but I don't remember when it was. But I want to talk about uh, growing your YouTube subscribers. Um, and let's start off with, I, I guess, a good place to start is branding and positioning of your channel. What are your thoughts on that? Get, take us through the landscape of that. Yeah, so this is a step that a lot of people skip over, and I skipped over it when I first started. And 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 instead, what they do is they just start creating videos. And you know, when it comes to marketing or business in general, there's something to be said for just like diving in, learning the ropes, baptism by fire, whatever cliche you want to use. There's merit with that, but at the same time. YouTube is so competitive and so crowded right now that if you just go in flying blind, it's going to be difficult to succeed. There's just so many channels, so many videos that it's harder and harder to stand out. And one easy way to help your channel stand out from day one is to figure out your branding and positioning. And this is a lot easier than it sounds. It sounds kind of like 
you know, MBA speak, but mm. it's actually a practical thing you can do to help your channel stand out. So what you want to do is first figure out who are you creating videos for? Who is your target audience? And you want that to be super specific in the early days. So, you know, let's say you want to do a, a, a cooking channel. Mistake a lot of people make is they're like, hey, I'm going to create a cooking channel. I'm going to do breakfast and desserts and lunch and snacks. And the problem with that is you're going to blend in with the massive cooking channels that are out there like the Food Network channel and Gordon Ramsay and all these other people. Yeah. So what you want to do is be like, I am just going to do keto desserts. That's my specialty. Every video is going to be about keto desserts. My channel art's going to say keto desserts on it. When I introduce my channel, I'm going to say, hey, I'm Brian Dean. I run my channel helps people come up with delicious uh, keto desserts and focus on that one niche. Once you have that niche established and you start to get traction, then you can expand out into keto foods in general, maybe paleo foods, maybe diet, maybe cooking in general. But at first, that niche can help you stand out because if I'm looking for keto desserts and I see a channel that's all about that, I'm going to say jackpot. I found the perfect channel. That's fantastic. So it's interesting that you say about um, expanding out a little bit after you've got established. I was going to ask you about that because I'm totally with you. I mean, there's so – I forget what the statistic is. There's some like – x hours of video are uploaded every second or something so i can understand specificity if i say that correctly but uh yeah i mean how how is it best to what sort of rates can you expand out a bit so i mean say for example i wanted to start i don't know a channel on ooh, i don't know organic gardening or something like that i mean that's really specific i suppose would i have to be more specific than that or does it depend on the topic i guess I mean, I think it's, it does depend on topic and your area of specialty, mm. you know? So like if you were really good at growing organic tomatoes, then you'd want to focus on that. So some of it's a little bit personal, but in general, it's YouTube is so big. They have a billion users. It's really hard to get a niche that's so small that you're not going to build an audience from it, even a small audience. So yeah. then from there, you can expand out to like organic tomatoes to organic cucumbers. Organic, and like then you're, all of a sudden you can do organic gardening and then maybe gardening in general and then maybe some tangential topics like wall gardens in your house or whatever. Yeah. Like I think the expansion part is sort of takes care of itself because you're going to run out of things to talk about. Yeah. But in those early days – I would, when in doubt, I would niche as much as possible, either by topic, like you said, organic gardening, or by per people, like maybe for people that are in cities with limited space, or maybe people in the countryside who have lots of space. Like, it's more about the who than the what. Yeah. And I know for a fact, I mean, I'm, I'm an absolute YouTube but I was going to say fanatic. I, I think that's probably the wrong word. Addict might be a better, a better description. And I know that sometimes if I'm looking for something quite specific, I'll actually look through a lot of videos, but I'll click away after about five or 10 seconds. So video intros, I'm, I'm guessing, are very, very important. Would that be fair to say? Oh, for sure. You're not alone there, Andy, at all with yeah. that five to 10 seconds. So what are, the, what are the things to aim for with, with a good intro to keep the person um, you know, sort of engaged? So the number one thing to – there's basically one thing to do and one thing to avoid if you want to hook people with your intros right away. Let's first – we can do what to avoid. The number one thing to avoid is – an animated logo or some sort of like branded boilerplate intro. Yeah. Um, a lot of companies do this and it's one of the reasons that they struggle on YouTube. Their videos usually aren't very good, 
but the intros don't do them any favors either. You know, yeah. a lot of times the intro is like, <laughs> and it's like this logo flipping around and they're watching it. Like you can picture these suits in a boardroom being like clapping. This is amazing. It's yeah. 15 seconds of our logo. And meanwhile, you're, you know, Andy looking for something to how to get, uh, improve your, you know, podcasting skills. And you look at this video, you're like done after two seconds. Like this is stupid. I'm the same way. I have no tolerance for that. So, um, that's the number one thing to avoid. And then to fill that gap, you really, the number one thing is to let people know that they're in the right place because what people do is when they land on a YouTube video, they have that five second window to basically say, is this video what I'm looking for right now or not? And you can usually size it up within five seconds. So, you know, let's say you were looking for, you know, how to like good places to host a podcast. If you land in a video and the person's like, in this video, I'm going to show you the two best services to host your podcast. You instantly have this like psychological relief. You're like, ah, okay, I'm in the right place. You may not watch to the end. The video still has to be good. But you at least avoid that massive exodus that you get if your first five to ten seconds isn't good. So YouTube actually has data on this. They say that 85% of viewers decide whether or not to continue watching a video based on the first 15 seconds. That's from their own internal data. So that first 15 second window is so critical and it's – you know. It's pretty simple if you just let people know that they're in the right place and avoid the animated logo stuff, you're in good shape. Yeah, it's interesting actually because uh, some of the videos that I watch that I, I've subscribed to a few channels and uh, obviously they're ones I really like and a few of those actually have quite long intros but I tolerate them because I know the video is going to be good so I guess trust comes into it as well, doesn't it? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's channels that there's always an exception to the rule. And I've seen I'm, I'm the same way, Andy. There are some channels I watch and I'm like, this channel would be so much better if they cut off this crappy intro. <laughs> but they have the advantage, like you said, of an audience and followers and subscribers. And a lot of those channels got started in the early days of YouTube when yeah. it was a lot easier. You know, you could make a ton of mistakes and still do well. Like I watched some like I watched this channel that has an angry video game nerd on it. It's like the stupid video game comedy channel. And he has like a 25 second song intro. That's just ridiculous. But he started the channel in 2008 or something. So, you know, it was, you could do no wrong back then today. It's a lot harder. So all those little things do add up. Now, what about, um, good old fashioned SEO? How do you optimize your, well, I guess it's the channel and the individual videos, isn't it? How do you optimize those for SEO? It is, Andy. You definitely want to optimize both. But in my opinion, in my experience, optimizing each video is much more important than the channel. Because most people, when they search on YouTube, they're not really searching for channels. You know, they're really searching for a specific video. It's kind of like Google, right? When you search in Google, most of the time you're searching for an answer to a question or looking something up. You're not necessarily looking for like a website to read. Same thing on YouTube. People aren't generally looking for a YouTube channel to watch. That said, there are opportunities to optimize your YouTube channel. Like you have about text. If you go to any YouTube channel, you can see they have an about tab and you can fill that in mm. with details about what your channel is and what it does and things like that. But I wouldn't sweat chan- optimizing your channel that much because at the end of the day, it'll succeed or fail based on the individual videos. And to optimize those, all you really need to do is find a keyword yeah. to optimize it around, especially a low competition keyword. So what I like to do is type in something I'm considering writing or considering making in YouTube and searching for that and seeing what YouTube suggests. So you put organic gardening, 
and see what terms YouTube suggests. That way you know these are popular yeah. and there are keywords that people search for. Um, another tool that I actually launched that's free, is not a sales pitch because it's free, is called Exploding Topics. And one of the reasons that I developed it was for finding hot topics for YouTube videos. So what this does is it scrapes the web for topics that are becoming more popular and then giving you a list of those. So you can sort through them and look through categories that fit your channel and then find some topics that are blowing up because usually there's a lot of demand but not a lot of competition yet. Yeah. So once you have your keywords, then it's about optimizing the video itself. And it's not really rocket science. It's really just putting your keyword in your title, in your video description, in your tags. And another tip that I find helps is to actually say the keyword in the video. So if you have a keyword you know, in mind, say it a couple of times in the video verbally, I find that helps a little bit too. Now, I remember in the olden days, I can't remember where I got this advice actually, but we were always advised by, by someone or other to put the keywords as close to the front as possible in the description. Is that still the case, do you think, Brian, or is, is it not so important these days? I think it, I don't really think it helps that much. I, I prefer to put something compelling in the, in the first sentence of the description because that shows up in the search results along with the title and thumbnail. So it's one of the things people use whether to decide or click, to click or not. And a lot of times if you're creative enough, you can find a way to get the best of both worlds by you know, including a target keyword and then doing it in a way where someone searching for that keyword on YouTube will see it and they'll be like, oh, okay, this is what I'm looking for and we'll click on it. Brilliant. So we talked about we talked about branding, talked about intros, we've talked about SEO. What about um, getting more subscribers? What's the best way to to do that? So the number one thing that I recommend is having a call to action for people to subscribe in every video. Um, this is like blows my mind that this works because you think, okay, what if I see a video and I like the channel, I'm going to subscribe. But because of the way YouTube is now people don't think they need to subscribe anymore. Like back in the day, and you know this, probably remember this from the old days of YouTube, your homepage on YouTube were channels that you subscribed to. Yeah. Like those were the videos that they showed you. Today, it's totally different. It's based on your recent watch activity. It's personalized to you based on what you watch, including what you subscribe to. But a lot of times, videos for channels that you're not subscribed to mm. will have precedent on the homepage above those that you do. So a lot of people don't even think about subscribing, but it's important that they do subscribe because it does help you appear on the homepage. They can get notifications if they have notifications enabled. Um, so I recommend asking people to subscribe. It's a little thing that makes a big difference. Some people do it in the beginning of the video. I never tested that, but some people do it like they do their intro, get people hooked and they say, hey, while you're here, you know, subscribe. There's nothing wrong with that. I do it at the end, but I find that that makes a big difference. The more calls to actions you can have to ask someone to subscribe in general, the more subscribers you're going to get. And I think it works now because I, I, I'm just remembering watching some of my favorite videos. Even Some of them are quite long, actually, it's about 20 minutes. And the person will say at the end, don't forget to subscribe. Or in fact, the one I hear the most these days is don't forget to give us a thumbs up if you like this video. And do you know what? It's something I never would have thought. I know it's stupid. Maybe I'm a bit of a dunce, but it's something I never would have thought of doing if they hadn't mentioned it. And I know I have actually ticked the thumbs up on quite a few videos that I wouldn't have if they hadn't have reminded me at the end. Does it have a massive effect, those, the accumulation of those thumbs-ups? Yeah, oh, it does, for sure. Because it's, it's not so much that YouTube looks at them and says, oh, this video has a lot of likes. We should rank it higher or we should you know, promote it more. 
although that's part of it, the reason that pe- more and more YouTubers are asking people to like versus subscribe is that it's lower commitment. Yeah. And when you like a video from a channel, they're going to promote more videos from that channel on your homepage and in the suggested video sidebar. So it's kind of a sneaky way to get you to subscribe without subscribing or to see more of their videos without subscribing. And people are more willing to do that usually than subscribe because it feels like kind of a commitment as opposed to liking a video. Yeah, you're right. It it is a lot lower commitment, isn't it? So we've talked about a few things today. If there's a one thing that our audience can sort of take away from this today, uh, what do you think it might be, Brian? Yeah, my number one tip would be really to focus on uh, your video intros. It doesn't mean you have to obsess over them and get them perfect. This is a mistake I made when I first started. I would do like 25 takes of the intro. And they would be exactly the same, except for like, I would say one word slightly differently. So it's not about getting them perfect. It's more about structuring them the right way so that people, when they see it, they're like, okay, I'm in the right place. You can say in this video, I'm going to show you X, or you can say something that they could relate to. Like Andy, you you know, you run a podcast. If I had a video and I was like, as you know, scheduling a podcast interview is a pain. You got to send the calendar invites. You got to send them information. Mm-hmm. You got to confirm with them. You have to coordinate. Sometimes there's time zone differences. Like you're watching that and saying, oh my God, this guy gets me. Even though I'm not actually saying in this video, we're going to do whatever. So there are a little different ways to approach it. But the key is to preview your video and let them know that they're in the right place and it's the right person, which is where your positioning comes in. Because once you know that, then you can speak to that specific group. Fantastic. Brian, thanks so much for coming on. How can our listeners uh, find out more about you and Backlinko? Uh, the best place is to go to backlinko.com and sign up for the newsletter because that's where I send a lot of my best uh, tips and strategies. Fantastic. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. The show notes will be in the usual place. Sitevisibility.co.uk slash podcast is where to look for those. Please leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. That would be great. Um, questions and suggestions, the email is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. You can also tweet at sitevisibility. There's also a site visibility group on LinkedIn. So that's all from me, Andy. And it's all from Brian. Cheers. Thanks, Brian. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 